Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to our English fan. <laughs> He just, he, he just tipped the crowd. We have Duncan mm. Higgins, founder and CEO of Sustainable Trading. Thank you for joining us, Duncan. Wonderful <laughs> to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> right now, he's like, can I get off this podcast? <laughs> you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing where it goes. You're yeah. stuck now. Yeah. Well, we all are. It's like it's a ship that is just cast... Really floating in the water. We don't know where it's going, but we always have fun. Well, speaking of journey, see how I pivoted there into it? Very a nice. Thank you. Very Thank well you. That's done. That's called a podcast That's a pivot. a lovely a pivot. Duncan, can you tell us about your journey leading to the founding of Sustainable Trading? Like, I, I've, I've only met you actually from Sustainable Trading, but I know Well, and you a little bit about, before. I mean, your, your uh, <laughs> actually industry background is yeah. really impressive because you worked a lot of different um, kinds of firms in the industry. So just kind of like giving people a sense about uh, your background and kind of how it led you to uh, what you're doing today. Yeah, happy to uh, happy to do so. Thank you. I've had about a 25-year career in the trading industry. And as you said, working at several different types of firm. I started off uh, my career at a buy side firm. I spent a decade at an investment bank, joined a startup challenger stock exchange uh, to run you're, sales you're marketing. You're crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, which well, is man. obviously Who would very, do very that? familiar. <laughs> that is whack, man. Yeah. <laughs> very similar to the journey you've been on um, in some ways. And uh, I mo- most recently worked for uh, nearly a decade um, within an agency brokerage and, and technology provider. All of that, by the way, was really in um, in European cash equities trading businesses. And to the end, particularly with a, a product and a market structure tilt to, to the role. And that most recent uh, role came to an end following an acquisition, which gave me an opportunity to do something different. For a long time, I've been an environmentally aware person, and I was keen to do something in response to the climate crisis. One of my former colleagues, who is now a member of Sustainable Trading, tells an anecdote about me forcing colleagues to take their rubbish out of the waste bin and to sort it into the right recycling bins in the kitchen in our <laughs> office. So uh, I've been uh, sounds like my daughter at home environmental vigilante in the past, and putting that into my and putting my my sort of trading um, experience to that, I was aware there was. Well, firstly, perhaps, you know, there was there was a huge amount of focus and effort being put into ESG investment. And I think we've all seen that over the last few years. And I was I learned that this hadn't led to any change yet within the trading industry. Um, and my experience from a trading perspective meant that I knew the level of resources that are employed in trading on markets and also that you know, efficiency in that area hadn't been a focus for the industry. So. I started talking to my network about the idea for an organization focused around making the industry greener. I got some really valuable feedback at an early stage that led to us broadening the concept to to include social issues as well as governance alongside the environmental aspects. And those initial discussions led to um, commitments of support. And from those individuals and those firms, they then worked to help develop the approach further and ultimately launched the organization 
we're a non-profit membership organization and that was launched in February last year. And you and can you talk a little bit about the membership? Because I think it's fairly impressive the amount of traction that you've gotten thus far. IEX is certainly proud to be um, a member of the organization, but um, some of the kind of like scope in terms of buy side, sell side, uh, the geographic scope. My sense was when we first started talking to you, it seemed like most of the the, the people that um, the the early adopters and people who were most interested at the beginning tended to be European, um, but that may have changed. That's a okay. Bit. So. We like the no, well, yeah. They're okay, but yeah. yes, yeah. especially the Irish. <laughs> there you go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And we do have some, some Irish organizations as part of our, our network as well. So answering those questions, if we look across the types of organizations that involve, um, we're now up to 56 firms that are members of sustainable trading. And we have a really great concentration. Well, we have, we have great distribution across the different types of, of organization. Um, we got 19 asset managers involved. We have 21 banks and brokers of different shapes and sizes. We've got a range of different um, exchange type businesses and, and trading platforms along with, along with technology companies all going all the way down to the data center operators that house the equipment that run our markets. Geographically, you, you're right to some regard to talk about the, the early adopters being from Europe. And we certainly have got a strength of firms who are in the UK, where the people involved are based in the UK and Europe. Many of those firms are globally headquartered out of um, United States. But we also have a good degree of firms that join us directly from North America, where uh, the firm and the people are based there and they contribute to to our work. And that's been the case from the beginning. It was really important to us that we made sure that we were delivering from the outset for more than just one location. We wanted to make sure that we were relevant across different parts of the globe. Further to that, we have We've extended that membership further. We have a, an organization, one organization based out of South Africa that joins and provides fantastic input from their perspective. And we also, while I've been a cash equities person for, for my career, we have broken away from that as well. And we have firms that um, are very much oriented around fixed income or trading other products as part of the membership organization as well. Nice. So, you know, maybe basic question, but what does it mean to trade sustainably? Like what, what's the ultimate goal there? <laughs> so, so I think there are, there are a few different ways of looking at that. You could focus on trading green companies. You could make markets in ESG ETFs. And those elements are really closely aligned to ESG and sustainable investment, which already have a, a huge focus within the finance industry. Yeah. Um, you could also work to kind of create the perfect measurement of the carbon footprint of a trade. But that is, you know, that's an extremely challenging process. And the industry is a, a long way off getting to that point at this moment. So rather than looking at those, taking things in those directions, our approach has been to think about the business operations of trading organizations the people, the process, the technology involved, and to consider the environmental, social, or governance challenges for each of those. Through our members sharing their experience and expertise, we can identify specific practical changes that firms can implement in order to you know, meet those challenges 
to become incrementally greener or help them from a social responsibility perspective. And that member-led process has resulted in the development of a set of best practices that are tailored for the trading industry. They span a wide range of topics within ES&G. Each of those practices is designed to help members incrementally improve their business and importantly, to be able to demonstrate that improvement as well. No. It strikes me that if you're just if you're talking about the environmental component in particular, and maybe this is thinking about it too narrowly, but from a standpoint of an exchange like IEX or any of the firms that are um, sort of trading actively, the biggest environmental impact, the kind of like core greenhouse gas emissions um, kind of issues are tend to sort of uh, concentrate in the large data centers um, where people are, and sometimes, and maybe maybe firms that are present in those data centers have some kind of influence on kind of how those are organized. But, it, but I guess my point is it feels like addressing that element almost requires some kind of collective action because the people who are housed in those data centers either need to figure out among themselves how they want to take them on or lobby or try to influence the people who are actually owning, uh, who actually own and run the data centers. We're we're in several data centers in uh, Duncan. I know you know this better than I, but uh, each data center provider looks at this a little bit differently. So some that we talk to already carbon neutral. Now, that sounds funny to say because they're hyping in like power not 24 hours a day. But I believe they're doing it through like carbon credits, et cetera. Right. But then we've also been talking like internally with our technology team. And yes, we use a lot of power in these data centers, but do we need to have our servers on 24 by 7? They're just, they're, they, you know, the expression it takes a village. There are a lot of little things that you can do. But yeah, we've talked to all of our data providers and, you know, how we got introduced to Duncan is we do have a sustainability group at IEX whose goal was not to be just a box check. I'm doing a John Ramsey long-winded question here, but um, and, and then <laughs> yeah. I'll then like I'll let trying to yeah. wait, wait yeah. for you yeah. to land yeah. that plane. It's it's, it's, it, it, it's like old school. I just blacked yeah. out and I, yeah. I came back. But I, I I guess the point is we joined sustainable trading because we want to have a, make an impact here for our employees. They see they're they're very interested in this, and there was a lot of and Duncan, you'll remember when we first talked, there were other groups who wanted us to join, and the and the, the our point was we were only going to do something. If there was real things being done. And I have to say, since we've joined Sustainable Trading, you guys host so many calls, so many meetings, so much tracking. It's 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 pretty incredible. And I'm back. So back to <laughs> Well, Duncan, we're out of time, yeah. but thank you for joining yeah, 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 yeah. us. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's <laughs> It's really true. I'm I'm like a reformed like a non-environmentalist. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah actually, you yeah, know, and your and your daughter who is studying to become a marine, marine biologist has yeah. succeeded against all odds in um kind of uh making you conscious of these issues. So I give yeah. you credit for that. I, I guess I'll let Duncan ask answer the data center question. Yeah. And and my soliloquy. If you recall right what here. it is, yes. Yeah. Duncan, are you with us? Yeah, I think we, we touched we touched on quite a few topics there. Yeah, so maybe yeah. maybe I'll, I'll look. I'll, let me let me try and uncover some of those. Um, so you're absolutely right. Data centers, um, the amount of resource that that sits in those data centers, utilizing vast amounts of power is is very significant. And to put that into context for the listeners, a data center that might have a a twenty or thirty or forty megawatt power supply to it. That's equivalent to, well, in the UK, um, that's equivalent to 15, 20, 25,000 houses worth of power for both 
heating and electricity for those for those houses. So it's an individual data center supporting financial services itself is a is a pretty impactful proposition. You also brought up renewable energy and renewable energy is clearly a really important part of the transition that's being made around the world. But renewable energy at this stage is a finite resource. So even if a data center or you as an organization have decided to purchase renewable energy through some sort of agreement with a power producer, your use of electricity affects the electricity that is being used by others. The more you use of renewable energy, the less renewable energy used by others, and the more renewable, the more electricity that's generated from fossil fuel sources is used by others within the grid. Um, mm-hmm. And the actual, anyway, the actual electrons that you consume are from mixed sources, unless you've got your own renewable energy power production on site, providing you with your power, you're, you're getting a mixed source. So I think it's important for us to be conscious of that consumption so that we can make sure that all of the other users of that energy have an opportunity to use a greater proportion of renewable energy. So efficiency is, is really important. And you highlighted one of the areas that our industry could become more efficient, and that's the way we use power overnight and at weekends. A lot of the trading technology infrastructure that supports our industry is unused, right? It's sitting idle overnight at weekends. It's not playing an important role in supporting the businesses of organizations. But during that time, much of it is still draws the same amount of electricity that it does on a peak trading day. And that just seems to be, you know, excessive use. You wouldn't do that with, you know, in your own home. You wouldn't leave an electric heater on during the summer. You you know, you'd be turning it off when you didn't need it. You'd be looking to conserve some energy. So there's a prime example of a place where we can work together as an industry, different participants within that industry helping each other to work to one identify this this challenge and this opportunity and then perhaps to identify ways in which firms could implement the process oh wait i jumped in front of john no 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 okay. please go i was just going to say real right. quickly yeah. um yeah. because i'm real, not a supporter quick, of 24 yeah. by 7 trading this is a good business case yeah. to stop that fucking nonsense i want to go home at four o'clock on oh, fridays absolutely. and not wait till monday morning oh, amen to that oh I, and i care about the power and the environment too yeah uh, okay. that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John. What, yeah, what we are going to say? be presumably, Duncan. The the end result of this this organization, um, there's an opportunity for firms that um, are uh, occupied different quarters of the industry to talk to each other, to share ideas, and then I would um, take it uh, that this may result in the publication of reports or documents that amount to uh, statements of best practices, or what 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 ultimately are the outputs that you're looking for members to generate. Sure. Yeah, our members have been contributing towards that process already. We've recently concluded our first phase of work and delivered an, an initial set of best practices and importantly, you know, a way of measuring the implementation of those. And that's been across, you know, a wide ranging area. You know, we've talked about the trading technology and the efficiencies that we can create there. Interestingly, in the, in the environmental area, we have our, our groups also wanted to focus on actions that the individual could take. In the social area, we have 
a set of best practice around um, diversity, equity, inclusion, around employee well-being, around um, community engagement. And within um, the governance league, we've identified areas where firms that operate trading desks or look like trading desks within other types of organizations can improve aspects of governance within within those businesses. So we've produced that initial set of best practices. We've identified metrics which can allow firms to demonstrate that those practices are being met and those are being embedded in their in their organization. And now we're moving on to a stage where firms are beginning to work on the implementation of those practices and and sustainable trading is sort of pivoting to support our members in whichever way we can to help them you know, make good progress on on that implementation. And, and then I take it there's probably parallel discussions um, going on in um, sort of the other pipes in the ESG area. So the social aspect, diversity and inclusion, and uh, stakeholder representation, et cetera, and, and governance issues. So other other activities going on there too. Yeah, we, we ran the whole thing in parallel across six different working groups. So it was a really intensive um, process for our members to contribute to, but we really wanted to, you know, make a significant progress and get some tangible output that people could take back into their firms at a really early stage. So during the autumn, the fall of, uh, of last year, we had members meeting every two weeks for an hour or more in six different work streams in order to contribute to that process that continued in the first quarter of this year, but we slowed the pace slightly, but uh, yeah, to be able to do that, you know, really within our first year of operation, to be able to put that output out, I think was something really important for our members. And now they can, you know, begin to take those forward within their organizations and really get some of the benefits. Um, I wanted to turn back to one of the things that you said in, in your in your long question. I don't know if I can remove that statement. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can say in your great question, Ronan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in your great question. Um, <laughs> because you mentioned that your involvement was, you know, in response to employees and in being employee-led. And I think that's a really important point that firms should think about, is that this improving on environmental, social governance themes is something that is going to be demanded more and more by people who work at those organizations. People want to work at somewhere where they think there's a good sense of purpose within the organization. They're contributing positively. We sort of can help meet that in two ways because one, obviously the output of the work can help the firm to get better, but enabling for you know, a motivated employee to go out into the broader world of finance and trading and engage with their peers from other organizations and, you know, share ideas and thoughts and try and put their own, you know, their own experience and expertise, not just into improving their own firm, but improving the whole industry, I think can be, you know, really motivating for those people. So it can be a really important part of hiring and retaining employees can be giving them that outlook. Yeah, I uh, certainly it has to make a big difference. One thing I was curious to get your take on is as you're uh, 
no doubt, uh, very well aware of in the U.S. in particular, it, ESG has become kind of a, for whatever reason, uh, politically resonant, um, especially in terms of regulatory mandates uh, around uh, corporate disclosures and things like that, but also just in the sense of the push by some large asset managers to apply ESG-type filters to the investments that they're making has become, um, has that complicated your adoption at all? Or uh, does it, does any of that, how do you think about those trends and it, does it affect how you operate at all? So, so we, we held a, we held a first anniversary event back in February and this topic was the sole subject of a panel session that we ran during that event. I'm somewhat of an outsider to this. And so, for, so from an outside observer's perspective, you know, being in, in the UK, it's clear that the situation is making it much harder for firms that have made ESG an important part of their business. I do think there are some positives to the scrutiny, though. And if I think about uh, sustainable trading and, and we, to some extent, positioned ourselves as helping firms to deliver against an ethical imperative. And the discussion that we had in February helped us realize that we all need to look at the, the sort of the underlying, the commercial reasons for improving from an ESG perspective. We talked about, you know, employee expectations and, and hiring and retention, but that also could be because you need to meet your, your client's expectation, your customer's expectation. There may be some regulatory requirements that you need to meet. Or you, um, you might need to meet the requirements of your shareholders if they've got a particular view on how you should be, be managing your business. When we were talking about the benefits that membership of sustainable trading would bring to a firm, we always talked about it in the terms of, it, you know, of meeting your clients' goals or the regulatory requirements. But now we've taken that kind of into our core messaging as well to make sure that we and, and our members aren't caught up in a debate about whether we're making an ethical choice. Because if, if the business case for improving on ESG wasn't there, we wouldn't see the engagement that we already have, right? We wouldn't have 56 members if there wasn't a business case for getting involved in this. And without, you know, the commercial reasoning, we wouldn't see the progress that, what well, I believe is necessary, but obviously many of the, those in our network believe is necessary. Nice. Well answered. Very well answered. Yeah. Yes, very politic <laughs> and well answered and clear. Um, uh, go what, ahead. What? I was going to ask a question. Gonna let me, okay, yes, go, okay, go ahead. You can ask. I haven't go ahead. turned your mic on today. You think you're being reported. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, please go ahead. This is for employee wellness. Go Duncan, ahead. Sorry. I have another good one. Though. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the one. So Duncan was saying <laughs> a year anniversary of February. So you've been up and at it for a little over a year. You're 56 um, members. I'm just curious. Have you seen any, you know, member feedback or things, initiatives that they're doing or sustainability trends? Is there anything that really surprised you that one of the members is doing or suggested something really wacko like employees on treadmills to power the office? Brilliant. <laughs> That's it's not bonus season. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> there are obviously there are there are lots of things that people suggest and come up with, and I certainly have heard people suggest um, putting together you know, a, um, having stationary bicycles in the office that could power their computers. Or I was just you. fucking around, um, by the way. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. I'm sure you will. I think he actually enjoys the image of walking by, seeing me on a treadmill yeah, and going it, it, faster, faster. It would be great. 
Yeah. We need more power. <laughs> yeah, but we, we, we would certainly need a lot more people than we have, and we need a lot fitter people than we have in order <laughs> to be able to that's generate the problem. Yeah. Such the kind of power it. that we need. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that has surprised me, not not necessarily, you know, that the, the, there's been a, a real big surprise on a, on a particular approach that an organization has, has taken. But one of the things that surprised me was a desire from within the, the people who've been involved with, with sustainable tra- trading to focus on a set of actions that individuals could be taking. My initial thought was that those types of changes would be kind of dwarfed by other changes being made by companies, but I've kind of gone the other way on that now. And I think there's, there's an important element of, of thinking about how individuals take action is what it does to the mindset of that person, how it will make them look to make other changes, other positive changes in their, in their professional and in their personal lives. And then their action, I think, is also amplified when it's seen by others or requires changes from other people they're connected to. So let's take, for example, a client who requires potential providers to only deliver digital presentations, no hard copies, right? So we don't have any of the printing. We don't have the paper use. We don't have any plastic binders being put on this. So there's, there's a certain amount of direct impact there. But that also has a knock-on effect to all the firms that that organization interact with and all the people who are part of that interaction. And, and if many, you know, many firms take that same approach, we can t- create a really big network effect. And the idea of, you know, having printed presentation goes away and digital presentations become the industry norm. But everyone who went through that process of change will also begin to think about you know, what other changes they should be making in their, you know, in their work life or in their personal life. So I think that's, that's one area that I was, that, that certainly caught me by surprise in the whole process. And, you know, there's a definitely a, to, to a positive way. I think you know, including that is, is going to be a big benefit. And Roan is a perfect example. Last person I ever would have thought of as uh, being, you know, yeah, sort of. Uh, I have changed. Woke so in that respect. I, I used but, to yeah. dunk and lose it when someone would send me a, uh, two-sided printed paper. And I I literally went to the printer and threw out good paper and said, give me fucking single-sided. Mm. I've changed. This was a number of years he's ago. Changed. So it's all better now. I do but think let that's me a great mission, but, but let my, me vent on one thing because I don't know if they have it in the UK. This, oh, might, be, okay. this, right. this might be a hot take we're giving uh-huh. Duncan. But since COVID in the US, what a lot of restaurants have done now when you sit down at the table is they give you a little card with a QR code and you got to like download the menu on your phone. Yeah. And... As a guy about to turn 50, my fucking eyesight's gone and it drives me crazy. But now I should put on my sustainable wow. hat and s- man, man, you just I just think the restaurants you are being suddenly, lazy. You but- suddenly you just turned into angry old man there. Yeah, uh, but just that, in a heartbeat. It happens uh, when you yeah. can't see, I get really frustrated. Mm, mm-hmm. But anyway, you don't need to respond to that unless <laughs> I'm going uh, you know. to respond in a couple of ways. One, <laughs> one, I'm going to say if you can find somebody um, who who can help you with your phone. You could probably change the font size so you could sort of magnify it up. I'm, so I'm going to delete that too. In, I'm in, removing in, that in <laughs> I am the host. You can't bust my chops. <laughs> and then the other thing I'd say is, look, we, I think it's really important that we, we don't cut back for cutting back sake. We find areas where it's more efficient to do something in a different way. Yeah. Um, but we don't, you know, we don't impact the performance that clients get. We don't want to 
you know, we don't want to damage our markets by changing things. See, uh, Duncan just said he likes we, paper menus. Where can we make things better? Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. One other question. I just had a flash of insight to um, ask this question because when we were talking about uh, the, the sustainability. Should I put your mic on? Uh, <laughs> yeah, please do. So crypto is another asset uh, class, uh, which is so to what extent have you gotten into that? You know, there, there's certainly been a lot of questions raised around uh, Bitcoin in particular oh, yeah. um, or certain crypto asset classes in terms of the drain on resources. Is that an asset class or a focus of the discussions of members of your group at all? Not so far mm-hmm. would be my um, short answer. We've focused ourselves more around regulated markets before the thought that we could in future consider less regulated asset classes like um, like the various um, crypto products. I think it's an interesting area to look at, though, to look at, you know, the holistic benefit versus cost of of what those those products offer. I think one of the, the positives there was to see that Ether had moved finally after a very long period of time. I think they um, had a six or seven year program in the end to move from proof of work to, to yep. proof of stake, yep. um, which reduced their energy consumption by something like 99%. So there's obviously an area where they've made a big change in their business and has made them, much, you know, made that product much, much more efficient, which is a positive. I haven't heard of any change being planned, um, for Bitcoin, um, which is, as you'll know, is a, a huge user of electricity around the world. And, you know, given that, as I said earlier, even if all of that electricity being utilized was renewable energy, renewable energy is constrained. We should work out how to be more frugal with use of it and find efficiency that allows us to do that. So I would think there's, you know, there's, there's a good case for efficiency being brought to, to that product also. Thank you. We, we asked this question of every guest at the end and, um, Generally, here we've been talking about doing good and good around sustainability and trading. And now we're going to ask you what your favorite Wall Street movie is and why. Let's see if you pick a, a good, good one. But no pressure, No pressure. If you want to say Wolf of Wall yeah, Street, you yeah, can, even fine. though it's a bad depiction of yeah, Wall Street, but uh, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, over to you, Duncan. I can pick a bad, good one, can I? Okay, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, now, I know I, I myself um, will be showing my age here, but um, I guess I was, you know, my formative years were, were in the 80s. And my, you know, my favorite um, Wall Street movie would be Trading Places. Though technically, I think the most of the film is set in Philadelphia rather than New York. Um, yeah. And I should also say that certain <laughs> elements of that film have not aged well. Uh, so for viewers should beware if they're their first time viewers of it. Um, but <laughs> I got to watch yeah, it look, again. <laughs> That's a yeah, great movie. You, yeah. you, you'll yeah. see it when those moments come through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great film. The way that like Eddie Murphy's con artist character and, and Dan Aykroyd's privileged character have their yeah. sort of situations reversed makes for some really good, um, you know, both um, verbal and, and physical comedy, like laugh out loud uh, comedy moments. And without giving too much away, you know, the bad guys get their comeuppance in the end as well. So uh, that's always starts to have a, uh, have a happy ending. Um, nice. 
I so like how he pivoted that to good that's, wins. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Hopefully that's mm-hmm. not too much of a spoiler, even though the film is, um, mm, is 40 no, years think, old. No, 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 not it's at all. It's a fantastic one. Yeah, we've had that before. I like that movie. Yeah, so... What do we give? What do we give our? What do we give our guest? We give you for being a guest um, only when you come in person, because of course we're not going to ship it. Um, <laughs> That's not true. Sustain- sustainably sore socks. They actually are. We have uh-huh. IEX boxes and line socks. Duncan, wear them in good wow. health. They look great. We have black and gray ones, or we have very colorful ones. We'll send you both, one of each. I I like the colorful ones. I look forward to to sporting them, Um, (laughs) and I'll be sure sure to wear them when I next see you in person. There you go. And if Sustainable Trading ever comes out with their own socks, let me just give you advice. Get good quality ones, because a lot of people give out the shit of socks. Mm. There you go. Not us, though. You learned something today. We're the very best. There you go. They got a last. All right. Cheers, Duncan. It was great having you on here. We really appreciate it, and we really appreciate our interaction with your your, your firm. Thank you, Governor. Governor. Firm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Firm, organization. Well, thanks for having me on, and yeah, I, I... Really appreciate your uh, your involvement with sustainable trading. Also, yeah, John's about to give us a over and out. God bless you. Goodbye. Goodbye now. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Daisy Clace, with support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io/podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.